episode 22 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Going to the dark side. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 22 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, uh, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I'm back in my office, uh, I don't have my view today, I'm back in my office and I've got my head again and it's funny when I record the show in the office, I don't tend to do that much podcasting in my office, I tend to do it in my main lounge and I'm in this chair that's too low so I can be in love with the mic and so I feel like I'm a, a five-year-old at, at school right now and my desk is up nice and high so I kind of look like a bit of a dork right now but it's okay, these are the things we do. It's been a, uh, a good month for me in the last month, it's been an interesting month and uh, a poor girl, my poor girl Jo, my, uh, my lovely partner, she's at home sick today and she's in bed and um, the poor thing and it's quite when you've got a sick partner there's not much you can do other than I don't know give them a little bit of love but so I'm kind of feeling a little bit hopeless and uh, the poor girl's in bed a little bit sick right now but hopefully she'll come right over the next couple of days but it's, it's been a really busy month for me and one of the reasons is is that I have this um pretty awesome opportunity I do a bit of public speaking I wouldn't say I do a huge amount I do probably I know 10-15 speeches a year um, I've been trying to step it up recently kind of trying to get a little bit more of that kind of work and and I find in life that often it's just about putting your hand up um, I've been putting my hand up a lot more for opportunities to do this kind of work and um, and it's amazing oh Jesus I could even do a bit of a show on this being the idea of a self-advocate and it's interesting when you work in an industry like mine or I kind of believe in any area being a, a self-advocate is not necessarily a bad thing and, and doing that in the correct way is really important and, and I'll give an example of why sorry I've got a squeaky chair which you probably just heard um, I, I, when I was personal trained I used to personal train geez, 13, 14 years ago now and uh, I had a client who was renowned as one of the world's best hairdressers this guy was a bit of a superstar within the hairdressing world and uh and when I trained him, and he was he was a full on character and uh, very eccentric and very full on and uh, hard working guy too. Like really like love training hard. So I kind of beat him up when I when I trained him. I, those are always the most appealing clients, the ones who love being beaten up. But he was you know he was reached this really high level, and and he was based in Christchurch as well. So to achieve this this really high level was. Um, quite an astounding thing in, in the kind of the fashion world to be based out of Christchurch and to do this. But what I learned from him, he was so good at telling people how great he was. And to be honest, he was probably a little bit too kind of full on with a little bit kind of, um, I wouldn't say arrogant, but he did, did come across as a little bit too cocky about him doing it. But the one thing you, you got from him was the fact that he was pretty successful. And I know at the time, my, my approach was always to that people will notice me if I am good. So my approach to being successful was if I work really hard, that people will actually notice that I am good and that will lead to opportunity. And from working with this guy who was the hairdresser from PTing him and, and recognizing that I got this perception that he was very good at what he did, kind of based on what he told me, like there was there was some evidence as well. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't delusional. He was actually achieving some pretty massive levels of success. But he was also really good at letting the world know he was good and also letting the world know that he was available. And um, I kind of remember thinking at that time, 
there's something in this and, and it, the way he did it wasn't the way that would work for me that I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go around telling everyone that I'm great at what I do and all the rest of it that um, I like to reveal strength and weaknesses but to put your hand up for opportunity is actually really really important in life to put your hand up and say actually I want this opportunity now I kind of think that deep down you need to be the right you need to be ready for the opportunity as well. So I would never necessarily put my hands up to do, um, let's, just as I'm talking around public speaking, you know, like five you know, five to ten years ago, I would never put my hand up for next level public speaking opportunity because my skill set wasn't good enough. But over the years, I've been doing quite a bit of public speaking and I've developed some talks that I'm really proud of and I've developed my skill around how to communicate a message to an audience so that they walk out of the room with a shift in thinking. And I think ultimately as a speaker, that's kind of what your role is. And so, um, you know, my skill level is to a point now where I know I can get up in front of a few hundred people and, uh, and do, you know, do that kind of achieve that objective. And um, going back to that kind of lesson from the hairdresser is that in the past, I would do a talk and hope that, that would, someone would notice I was good. And I found that I was always waiting for someone to notice that I was good. Instead, what I once after I kind of had that experience, I learned that once I was competent enough that I could represent myself in a way that was professional in a certain areas, that it's actually up to me to put my hand up for the opportunities. And uh, I know, like, for example, you know, I've often talked on the show about me being a writer is one of the most things that I'm most proud of in my life. And, uh, you know, that I write for a local newspaper, I write for some magazines, and, and you know, obviously I've got my blogs and stuff as well. And um, But the only reason that really happened was because I, I pretty much rang my local paper and started to build a relationship with them. And then one day, the local kind of editor from my local newspaper rang me around a question around fitness. And uh, at that time, I said to him, look, I want to get into some writing. What do I do? And he said, well, actually, here's an opportunity we're looking to fill right now, and you'd be the perfect person for that role. And so I kind of believe that in life, that it's actually kind of our job to do a bit of self-promotion. And, and, and again, there is, there's, there's levels of this. There's levels where you know, you do get the person who just self-promotes to the point where it's ridiculous and, and you kind of get put off by them. But when you feel you are competent in an area, it's okay to let people know that you're available and willing. And I think that's a really healthy way to approach it. And so with my public speaking stuff right now, you know, I've kind of been doing some local stuff, a little bit of stuff, you know, obviously with fitness, I do a lot around the world, but um, I wanted to kind of go to that next level and get into a bit of corporate and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough that in August I'm going to be doing a talk for one of New Zealand's biggest real estate firms, um, and you know, and the people I'm, you know, it's myself and there's a guy called Graham Henry who's the World Cup winning All Black coach who's going to be speaking at this conference as well. So I'm kind of I'm starting to reach a level of of speakers, you know, that is that next level for me, and and it kind of partly comes from the fact that I've built some good relationships and I've kind of said that I'm available and willing, and that I've planted the seed in other people's mind that I am an option. And so, geez, I haven't really gone to today's show, I'm kind of waffling about something completely different today, but um, I just think that if you are someone who often feels opportunity doesn't come to you, and maybe you think how I used to think, where you think, well, if I work really hard and I'm good at something, that people will discover me, that sometimes you need to go, actually, it's my job to put my hand up.
And there's some areas in my life where I haven't really got the path that I wanted, but I've also recognized that I maybe haven't put my hand up in those areas and I'm okay with that. But then there's other areas where, you know, I need to put my hand up because I want to go down that path. And, and I, I suppose the thing is people's lives are so busy that they're often not, they just go to what they know. So when they think, okay, I want a speaker, if you haven't planted the seed in their mind that you are an available speaker, they probably won't think of you. So, but if you can plant that seed into people's minds around that you are an option in these areas, then you'll probably find there's more opportunity will come. Now, on top of that, you have to have done the yards. You can't just kind of put your hand up and, you know, turn up and be incompetent and, and kind of fail. That you have to get to a certain level of competency and skill set around what you're doing. And you also need to do it in a way that isn't isn't arrogant, isn't about putting other people down, isn't it's just just saying, hey, I'm here. Here's my repertoire of work. Here's here's what I've done. Um, you know, I'm willing to do it. And then, obviously, if they then choose you, it's doing that whole thing of you know over delivering on on what they want from you. So, so my kind of last period of time has been kind of really consumed around what I'm going to do in this talk. And I have a series of talks that I've done, and obviously a lot of content that I've created. You know, through the podcast, through writing, and stuff like that. And and sometimes my content will come from ideas I've got from others, and uh, sometimes it will be from own experiences that I've been through with myself or with the people I work with. And I really want to design this talk. Um, I want to do a new talk, and I want to do it around stuff that comes from the second tier. There comes from the experiences that I've had with uh, clients or or real world people that I've actually dealt with, or myself, so that. I'm not just the message that they may have heard somewhere else, that I'm bringing something new to the forum that can help people reflect on themselves and maybe take steps forward. So uh, it's an interesting process and I'm really, really enjoying it. Anyway, geez, I can can waffle, can't I? Anyway, anyway, so last month at the beginning of the show, I kind of, you caught me at an emotional moment. And uh, at this emotional moment, I uh, kind of revealed that I've been going through some tough times recently. And I said that in the next month's show, I'm going to kind of reveal some of the lessons that I went through in that show. And um, I can't really talk about the situation, not because I don't want to be open, but because it involves other people um, and their emotions as well. But I'm going to talk about... Um, and, and a time in my life where I really went through some really challenging things, and um, I know it's kind of awful to tease and not really give what happened, but I just it, it, it's unfair of me to talk of other people's situations, and I'm sure you all understand. So this month's show is going to be a, a kind of a bit of a self reflection for myself around some things that I hadn't considered in a long, long time, and uh, I'll get into that really soon. At the end of the show, I've got some questions. I've had a few questions coming through. And I must say, um, I've just getting, I know I say this every month, but geez, I'm getting some great feedback from you guys. And I'm just getting, you know, so many um, just nice, nice emails. And, uh, you know, obviously you guys are referring because the numbers keep growing and uh, everything, you know, everything that seems to be happening with this kind of audience that we have together is really, really amazing. So, um, you know, I I once had, I'm going to, finish off here um before i move on but i once had um going back to public speaking i once had my friend um the guy i often talk about as my yoda in my earlier stages of my life come along and watch me do a public talk and he um and i thought i'd nailed it to be honest i I did this talk and i hadn't created the content it was someone else's content but i kind of got up and i did this presentation and 
And if you'd asked me how I'd done afterwards, I'd thought that, um, you know, I'd done a pretty good job. Obviously not 10 out of 10, but, you know, if, if you kind of pass marks a seven and a half, I would have sat in that place. And and this guy that I often talk about as my Yoda in my early stages of my life was um, an amazing speaker and an amazing um, change agent and an amazing shifter of people's thoughts. And so he came and watched me do this talk, and I remember – at the end of it, um, I was really curious to get his feedback because A, you know, I'm trying to impress my Yoda and and B, I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to kind of get some recognition that I was improved and also I understood that he could give me some really valuable feedback. So there was kind of a win-win situation in lots of areas. So I go up to him and I, uh, you know, oh, what do you think, what do you think? You know, really keen. And he goes, oh, I was, I was a little bit disappointed in it. And and I, I was kind of like my my whole insides crumble and my whole world kind of just kind of falls to pieces. And, uh, and I, at first I couldn't really understand why. And 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 he's you know he said, well you know you got great energy, you know you you you, you know you you present well. Uh, but two things: you didn't win the crowd, and do you think they walked out of the room knowing the lesson that you tried to teach them? You know, that sure, maybe you were able to present in a way that looked dynamic and all the rest of it, but do they walk out of the room with the lessons that you're trying to teach them? And uh, and it was a really powerful message to learn as, as someone who was trying to educate others is that I can spend an hour with a group of people, but unless, and you know, with the idea of that I'm trying to share something with them to educate them and make change in their life, but if they walk out of the room or they leave that hour and they don't actually know what the lesson was or they don't actually create change or they don't actually get what they've done, what I was trying to get across, then I haven't really achieved the objective of what I was doing. And that really shifted how I present. And and I know this whole first section is kind of probably the longest first section I'll ever do, but, you know, fast forward to a few years later, I did a talk for the local army. Um, I went out and did, for the annual awards, I went and did a talk for um, the army. And uh, nowadays when I design a talk, I tend to work around 15 to 20 minute blocks where um, I have an objective and, and really, you know, what's the message of that objective for that first 15 to 20 and then in the second 20 and, and so on. And uh, this talk in particular, I had for an hour and I thought, okay, I want them to walk away from this talk knowing these three things, these three, um, you know, education things that will make them maybe look at the world in a different way. And uh, the next day I got a phone call from one of the sergeants and, uh, I know it sounds official for sergeant, and next day I got a phone call from a sergeant and uh, and he wanted me to do another talk and that often happens with talking, you kind of, if you do a good job, it leads on to more. And uh, he goes to me, look mate, I, I hate to be rude, um, I really loved your talk last night, but I can only really remember three things from about what you were talking about. And uh, and he kind of rattled off what those three things were. And as much as he didn't know it, and as much as he thought he wasn't really listening as well as he could have, it was almost like the biggest compliment that I could get. Because go for back a few years when my Yoda was there, those people walked out of the room not really getting any message. They might have like my style I and mean, some people wouldn't have because you're not going to please everybody but they didn't walk out of the room with a message whereas when I went into this new world um, this, you know, as I developed myself I got to the point where the sergeant rings me and he says oh I can only remember three things and uh, what I love about the feedback I get from you guys and um, 
where am I going with this is what I love about the feedback I get from you guys is that it seems to be that this show is helping to create change and uh, I live a pretty fulfilling life and I live a life that I get a lot of reward from the activities I partake in but you know when I get emails from people saying you know you're helping me shift my behavior that is the biggest compliment I can get and so um, for those listening right now who have listened to the shows and, and written emails or even if you just can agree you know that the show has helped in some way shape or form um, what I get back from that is really really massive so I really appreciate all the great feedback I get and um, and it just it just motivates me to keep working harder and harder to do a great job so so thanks because as much as a lot of this is about me it's uh and about helping others, it's it's also so so rewarding for me. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's the longest intro ever. It's about seventeen minutes, and I haven't even started today's show. I'm going to put on some music, and we're going to rock and roll and get into today's show. When I was younger, I had this. Uh, this girlfriend who I was with for around five years actually and uh, quite a long time and uh, we had this really cool relationship and she was a, a good chick and um, a good chick <laughs> as you say and uh, we, we you know we went on for a while but there was a period of time where you kind of came became clear that we were going to go in our different ways and during those times you know I'm sure most of us have been through a relationship breakup there's there's things that get said who which may hurt or um that it's designed to hurt at least and um, and I'm sure all of us are guilty at some stage of saying things that once the emotion is removed we uh, regret and uh, and you know in this moment with this girlfriend lots of things were said and, and but one of the things that she said to me which actually wasn't that offensive but you know, she wasn't trying to be offensive in this moment, and it was. And as you hear it, it wasn't actually that offensive. It wasn't that I was um, deeply hurt by what she said, but it was. It was an interesting insight into who I am. And she said to me, "The problem with you is you don't experience emotion. That you live in this world where." You don't experience the extremes of emotions. You're never really deeply sad. You're never, you're never angry, and and um, you know you you kind of sit in this void of kind of just these couple emotions, and you don't actually really experience what life is about. And um, I thought at the time because you know I'm not really open to <laughs> to her thoughts at that moment in time, but at that time I just thought she was just angry and just saying things. Um, to get at me. Now the relationship kind of faded and we went our own ways and um, we're still actually quite friendly. We're quite good friends now and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> but it was, it was that comment kind of stuck with me and, you know, and, and I always thought to myself, well, you know, why would I want to have anger in my life? Why would I want to have, um, you know, why would I want to be sad? Why would I want to have all these, these emotions in my life that, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily term good emotions and, and I kind of thought well good on me for not having those emotions and and then my next partner um, I also had you know she I think she felt the same way because I remember one time I actually got angry and I yelled at her and and I'm you know I'm I'm the kind of person who avoids confrontation like the plague um, I'm not the kind of person who will yell at you I'm not the kind of person who will get angry 
I'll shut off and I'll find my own ways to deal with it. I may remove myself emotionally from you, but I'm not going to go rah in, in a certain moment. And I remember with my next partner, uh, one time I did kind of go rah and, and it was very left field. It was unlike me in any way, shape or form. And she and she turns around and she goes, oh, thank God for that. And, and she was actually happy that I expressed anger. And, uh, and, and so that again stuck with me. And I know my daughter... You know, like again, I'm never. Re- I'm not the kind of parent who'll yell, but the, you know, I, there have been times. I'm I'm far from perfect, and um, and you know, there's the couple of times when I have kind of growled at my daughter in, in quite an aggressive, angry way. She's kind of known straight away that you know what, Dad's pretty serious right now because if he's growling, something's up. So over the years, one of the things I've contemplated about myself is. Was, was my first girlfriend right? Do I sit in this place where I don't have a huge range of different types of emotions? And and is it necessarily a good or bad thing? And I think still to this day, I, I really do consider that it's probably not a bad thing that, you you know, not having sadness in your life is probably a good thing and not being angry and, and uh, a lot of those emotions that uh, could be seen as the more negative side aren't happening. And, and the thing is, it's not that I'm suppressing it. Like, I, I do sit in a place where I'm kind of genuinely pretty happy. And I know if we go back to last month's show around optimism and how I said I felt I sit in that place, maybe that's why I don't experience these broad range of emotions. But the thing is, because I don't, I, you know, maybe I don't live in this place, it's not that I'm very good at it, dealing with them when they come up. That, you know, in the last seven to ten years of my life I can think of a few times where I've been sad and a few times where I've been um you know angry you know like I can pretty much count on fingers the amount of time I've experienced those types of emotions so you know as I think about how to explore this world and how to explore this world and make you know to move forward I don't have to consider how to deal with those types of emotions in a day-to-day way to help myself progress and one of the downfalls for for me in this thing is that maybe I'm not the right type of person to give advice or, or the right type of person um, to to know how to deal with those times. You know, if you've only in, in 10 years had maybe 10 times when you've been really angry and, and it, most of them have actually been pretty minor in comparison to other types of anger you'll see, um, you know, who am I to give advice on how to deal with those times in our life where we are in you know that really kind of dark terrible place but this show is about behaviors and this show is about um helping people discover ways to overcome behaviors that can restrict them and, and i know it's you know the fitness behavior is where we sit and uh but i do feel that well let me let me move on Recently, I had an experience where, um, about about six weeks ago now, about two months ago now, I had an experience which took me to a place which I probably have never experienced emotionally, not to a level that I ever experienced this way emotionally. Um, it was a very dark place within myself. It was a very doubtful place. It was a place that um, where I expressed anger, and, and to be honest, there's still some anger sitting inside me around this area um it it expressed emotion that was sad um 
where I was um, doubted myself, where I doubted who I was and what I was doing in this life. You know, what I was, was I doing things that I thought were fundamentally good? Was was I wrong? Had I got it wrong? Um, all those types of emotions. Like I was saying in the intro, I'm not, I'm not really going to go into the details of the situation because it involves other people, but it was it, it made me realise that my ex-girlfriend was kind of right. That I don't, um, you know, I do live kind of in these kind of, maybe a small range of positive emotions most of the time. But if we go back to what this show is about, this show is around behaviours and how behaviours influence us and take us to certain places. And there was pretty much within this kind of place where I was an emotional place, there was pretty much a, a week to a 10-day period where I was consumed by the events and the effects of those events that they were having on me in my life. And um, during that time, I was I'm looking back, I'm fascinated in how did I behave in those situations to make sure that I wasn't self-destructive, that I didn't lead towards behaviours that were ultimately bad for me and those around me, and what did I do in those situations to healthily get through it. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I do live in a world where my, my ex-partner was right, you know, and I always find that interesting when your, your ex-partners do know more about you than, and maybe even stuff about yourself that you don't even see yourself, and she was right when she said, I don't live this broad range of emotions, and, and maybe even my life isn't as rich for it, or maybe it is, maybe, like, I don't know, but um, what was fascinating was, I, you know, Maybe a lot of people out there are living life in that way quite a bit. Maybe some people out there who are even listening to the show right now live in a place where they feel sad a lot or they get anger. I know I'm using sad and anger a lot, but there's probably a group of emotions, frustration, loss of self. Um, you know, They sit in a world where they have these emotions quite often. And then what are the way you respond to those emotions and what are the effects of those emotions and the way you behave in your life? And do those effects take you down further down a path that make you feel bad about yourself? As much as I was, I talk about, you know, how I'm a little bit ignorant to this place, or well not ignorant, but a little bit um, not experienced in this place of uh, bad emotions. I knew as soon as this moment hit me, this moment um, that kind of shook my world up a little bit, I knew as this moment hit me, I had to protect myself and how, um, I don't even know if the word protecting myself, but I knew I had to look out for the dangers of what I could do that was going to be destructive towards me and my world. And in, in, in these emotional times, often we respond really, really quickly in ways that harm ourselves. And this can be, you know, comfort eating um, in a place when you get really sad, where you get people who, who comfort eat and, you know, weight may be a thing for them. And, but, you know, they just, that's what they go to. Or, they, they, you know, they may um, 
neglect periods of their life or relationships that are really important to them and stuff like that. And and luckily for me in that moment when this situation presented itself to me, I I had the insight to realise that in this moment of hardship, I still need to put some kind of mechanism around me not being destructive in that time. Um, and so for me, I, I kind of sat down and I thought, well, it's a really important time that I maintain my meditation, and I've talked about meditation before on a show. Um, I need a creative outlet to express. For me, that, that's often music, um, writing songs, um, singing, making up songs on the spot, playing the piano. Uh, for me, it's also journaling, getting down and actually journaling a lot around my thoughts. It helps my, me kind of let my mind figure out what's happening. Not holding back. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my lovely partner Joe is um, pretty phenomenal, really. I've got a probably the best partner in the world, and I can say that quite fairly. And uh, in this moment, she knew what I was going through, and and she she was pretty great because she allowed me to have the space I needed to to figure stuff out, but also was there for me in a way that um, allowed me to express my thoughts and, and not in a way where she was providing solutions or trying to give me the answers or, or anything like that. She was just kind of supportive of that moment, knowing that I was in need. And, uh, and, and, and even within myself, making sure I was using that because I know traditionally for myself, I tend to shut off. I tend to go, I need to find the answers. I'll find them within myself. And, uh, and I've learned through time that for me, I'm actually better off to find people who I trust and know love me and to help them or let them help me through this time. So that was in a really important part of, of me getting through it. Um, I made sure I, I still did my exercise and, and I tried to maintain my good habits around you know, my dietary things, the things that I knew I could still have a sense of control over that made me feel good about myself. When I think about the situation, looking back, I was able to find a space where I could respond to the situation in a way that was as healthy as I could. But also, I wasn't destructive towards my own life. Now, if I go back to my, the younger me, the younger me who I often talk about in this, you know, what would have he done? Well, he would have just got stoned and got drunk and gone out and stayed up too late, probably pulled a couple to sick days off work, would have done really self-destructive behaviours that were going to have massive consequences even if I'd solved the situation. Even if I, you know, redeemed, or not redeemed, if I'd found a solution to the situation, learned how to deal with it, I would then still also have to work out the implications of the behaviours I had in that situation. And I suppose that's that's what I wonder as I think about, you know, going back to the idea that my partner knew me better than me, that maybe I don't experience those emotions that that much. And, and I can look back to this past experience I've had recently and, um, while I didn't handle it all perfectly, I can definitely see that I was the one thing I did well was right at the start, I was aware that I need to make sure there's a certain aspect of self that I need to look after in this moment. There's things that I need to put in place to make sure I don't think don't do things that are self-destructive, which then once this moment had solved itself, I would still have to overcome. And I suppose this experience, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about this because, like, I don't even know if I have advice this time, but I just think, 
you know, if I am different or a little bit rare in the fact that I don't experience, and I'm, I'm far out, I'm sure there's people who are like me, but if there are people out there who live in a place where they experience, you know, extreme negative emotions, and then they train themselves to have these destructive behaviours that come with those extreme emotions, where does that take them? Where does that lead? And what kind of behaviours and what kind of effects happen of that behaviour? I do some, I'm going to share an experience, I do some talking at the local youth jails. Um, I'm very lucky. I get to go out and um, talk to these kids who are anywhere from kind of 14 through to 18. Uh, I do it about probably 10 times a year. I go out and I go out and talk to these young kids and and these you know these are bad offenders. I have the worst offenders in uh, New Zealand. The, you know the top kind of thirty worst kids in New Zealand. I kind of go out in groups of ten and I do it like a half an hour talk and then I do some exercise. I love it. I love it because you know what they're good kids and and um, I know you know they break in rules and all the rest of it, but they they just haven't figured out how to work in society yet and uh, and I always hope that they can figure it out but some will and some won't and I get that but um, I love it but last week a couple of weeks ago actually I was out there doing a talk to a group of kids and one kid got a phone call and uh, like it's funny these kids you know like I had lunch with one of the groups after I talked to them and one of them got a phone call and said oh it's probably my lawyer you know I got caught next week you know so and this kid was like 17 you know they, they're living a different world to what I live and I imagine most of you guys listening to this um, live as well but while I was doing this talk one of the kids got a phone call and um I don't know the context of the phone call, I don't know what happened, but his response to the phone call was extreme anger. If you can imagine a you know, a firecracker of energy exploding with anger, that's what I was experiencing as I watched this kid. And he was literally 15 metres away from where I was sitting, you know, doing this talk. He kind of went away, came back in, and then all the kind of the security staff and all that had to surround him and, and control him and um, and he was just angry, and he had to express it with violence. He had to try to fight, and he had to try to, you know, let this anger out in a way that was very, very violent. Now, in that moment, that kid obviously had some terrible, terrible news, terrible news to his world that brought out an emotion that was um, horrible. And the only way he had learned to deal with that emotion was to express it through physical violence. Now the implications of that violence, fortunately in the situation they, they calmed him down and, and they were able to control him and uh, and so nothing bad happened. But but if he hadn't had the security guards around him and, and, and he wasn't in an environment where there were some people who could support him through it, what would have been those implications or the implications of that violence? Could he have done something that then, you know, behaviourally wise, could have led him down to a path to, you know, maybe ending up more in these youth jails or or maybe even worse, done something that was really, really terrible. And and that's, that situation there kind of reinforced my experience of bad emotions is how are you dealing with them? If you are someone who does experience these really bad emotions in your life, what are the behaviours that come with them? Because if I look back to my situation, as horrible as it was and as much as I wish I could change things about it, 
I can look at myself and think, okay, well, I did the things I knew I needed to do to look after myself in those situations, or in that situation. But if I hadn't, I could have done some really horrible things to other people, to myself, and I could be regretting that for a lot longer and trying to repair the damage of that. So then if you are someone who's sitting here and, and this is the, like I imagine this, this show in itself is a little bit different to what I normally do, but um, I know that for a lot of overweight people, the comfort eating thing is, you know, they get to an emotional place, what do they do? They tend to comfort eat, they may have been doing some well, good with, good with exercise and they pull away from exercise. It's almost like they pull away from all the things they were doing that was good for them and they do more and more of that and they might get out of that problem and uh, put on 5kg, which makes them feel bad about themselves, which then leads to gain towards more negative emotions. And if we're thinking about this, if we can learn to understand that, you know what, we're all going to experience different types of emotion in our lives. Some people will experience it to more extremes than others, but if we can learn how to deal with these situations in ways that are way more healthier, then the effects and the consequences of that time aren't going to have such such a massive effect on your movement forward from there forward. So then, you know, if, if this is trying to be a solutions-based podcast, I, th- I think you've really got to start to consider, look at yourself and look at how you traditionally deal with emotion in bad ways. You know, t- the traditional one is smokers. You know, like most smokers can give up smoking until life gets hard. And the, they, once they once stress presents itself, They've trained themselves to deal with stress with cigarettes. So stress presents itself and they go back to smoking. And the hardest thing for most smokers to overcome is learning how to deal with stress. And once they, you know, the ones who are successful learn how to deal with stress, they, they find other outlets for stress that is healthier for them. And I suppose that's the message of today's show is that if you are someone who is experiencing extreme emotions or you know you're going to be lead into extreme emotions or um, you know the way you respond to extreme emotions has a negative effect on your life how can you adjust that how can you change that how can you make shifts in your behaviors that go alongside that emotion so for my kid in jail his is to express anger with physical violence now the consequences of that anger is going to be that he's going to end up in a place which he's not going to like. If he keeps doing that, he'll probably end up in jail. He's going to end up in a life that he doesn't like, which keeps him, which with those destructive behaviors keep him down a bad path. For the person who uses food for comfort, you know, when you feel sad, you're going to use food to eat. You're going to eat too much. You want to put on some weight. Then what's going to happen is you're going to jump on the scales, feel bad about yourself, which then takes you back to bad emotion. So if you can learn to develop strategies for how you're going to deal with these emotional times in a way that's healthier, then there's a much better chance you're not going to have destructive behaviors that come with that time. Now, we're all going to experience emotional times. Even me, who considers, you know, who seems to be numb (laughs) to a lot of emotions, you know, I, I experience this hugely emotional time, which could have led me to behaviors that I wouldn't have been proud of. And, uh, and I know in the past I have done that, and, um, but in that moment I was able to stop, think, be aware of the emotion that I was in, and be aware of the risk that that emotion brings, and put in place a bit of a plan to get me through it. 
And I suppose ultimately that's today's message. And I know it seems pretty simple, but that is the message of today's show, is to learn how you respond in emotional times. Learn what actually happens to you when you're feeling, like you could get really specific around it. You could say, I know that I'm a bit vulnerable to being sad. I know I have a streak of anger. I know I have a streak of um, uh, meanness in me or, or um, I'm not, I need to think of some more emotions, but you get what I mean. And how do I traditionally respond in those, when I go to those places? Then what are the, the effects of that response to my life? I know that when I feel sad, I eat comfort foods. What are the effects of having those comfort foods? I feel bad about myself because I know I shouldn't eat them. I put on weight, and so then I go in a bit of a downward spiral. So if these negative emotions are taking me down a downward spiral, what is a different strategy that I could use in those moments when I feel those emotions? First of all, how do I know those emotions are coming on, and what can I put in place in those times to help me move forward? Okay, well, maybe I can make sure I get out and go for a walk. Maybe I can, you know, do some writing. Maybe I can find a creative way to express my emotions. Maybe I need to recognize that right now it's important that I have people around me who love me and are willing to support me through this time. Maybe I need to remove all the bad food out of my cupboard. Go, you know, have a list of food that I buy, you know, like a pre-planned list of food that I buy when I feel this emotion that are healthy and, and make me feel good about myself. If you are somebody who sits in a place where you, you experience emotions that you don't like a lot in your life and you know that you have uh, behaviours that are, are detrimental to yourself, develop a plan for these certain, you know, when I feel anger, this is what I'm going to do. When I feel sad, this is what I'm going to do. And actually develop a plan and so you're actually working on evolving how you deal with these situations. And over time, you'll get better and better and better at dealing with them. And to a point where it doesn't mean you won't be sad, but when you're sad, you won't be self-destructive. And the consequences of that self-destructiveness will go away. You'll learn to deal with that emotion in a way that, while it may not be nice, you'll be able to deal in a way that you feel has been healthy. Or you'll be able to come out the other side recognizing that it was a challenging time but you almost get a little bit of strength in the way you dealt with it. I know for myself I've been through one of the toughest times in my life recently, a time that could lead to destructive patterns that could have actually made me feel a lot worse about myself because of this moment. But luckily, through some way, shape or form, I'd figured out that I needed to, to get through this way in a healthy time, in a healthy way. For me, it was around having surrounding myself with amazing people. It was about expressing myself in healthy ways. It was about maintaining habits that I know that were still good for me and being being diligent to that right then and there. It's about letting go a little bit, not being too hard on myself. But in doing that, I was able to find a place to that I got out the other side in a way that I hadn't hurt myself more than I needed to, or at all, where I hadn't really hurt myself. If you're someone who's listening to today's show and it's really, really sits with you, remember, the response is a habit. The way you respond to these emotions is often just a habit you've installed. The kid in the jail who was angry, he's just learned that that's how he responds with anger. But 
these things can change. These habits can shift. And if you're willing to put the work in to stop, reflect, learn and look and develop plans that help you get through those emotional times, you'll get out of those emotional times in ways that aren't so self-destructive. And ultimately, I, I kind of wonder that if, if you create self-destructiveness during those times, does that keep you in that emotion longer? So for example, if you are sad and you comfort eat and it makes you put on weight and you jump on the scales, does that then make you feel sad? And is that a revolving circle that just keeps you in that place? Whereas if you can learn to look at, okay, when I'm sad, I need to do some writing, I need to go for a walk with a good mate who I can talk with, then you don't put on weight through that time, you jump on the scales, you don't feel bad about yourself, so maybe that's eliminating the sad factor as well. Like always, I always believe that... uh, Fundamentally, a lot of behaviours can be changed and it takes work. And if you can accept that that work will help you to evolve, to learn how to deal with these situations in healthier ways, then you're going to end up in a place where, (laughs) my, my old saying comes back again, where you can be the better version of yourself in all situations in life where you can learn to deal with stress and, and bad emotions in ways that are healthy for you. And if you're someone who's listened to today's show and really have identified with this, it's time to do the work. Alright guys, that's uh, pretty much this month's show pretty much wrapped up. I have to admit... I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I, um, yeah, it was just I don't know. It's one I wanted to do, and uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So hopefully you enjoyed it. It's, it's yeah, it was kind of a random one. So hopefully you enjoyed that. But anyway, I, I have got a workbook. Um, workbook, and and I I, th- I wasn't going to do a workbook because I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe this one doesn't really need one. But then I thought about it, and I thought of. If you are somebody who's going to that place a lot and you want to think about developing a strategy of getting through, then, you know, there needs to be, you know, sometimes to have those outside steps to help you can really help. So I've got a workbook that's going to be on bevanjamesisles.com and I haven't actually got that up until next Monday. So that if we're going on New Zealand clock here, there'll be Monday the 23rd of July 2012. And most people who listen to this, this will be after that date, so you can just go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and get it up from there. Um, again, just $3, $3 for the um, PDF web, um, workbook, you print it off, download it, print it off, and then you can work through that. And uh, again, like I was saying earlier, I get lots of good feedback on the workbooks as well. So, And also, if you just want to check out any of the other workbooks, they're all on the website, and you can just collect them as you go. Some people buy them all, which I kind of love, um, but even if you just have listened to a show that really kind of hits your note, and you want to work on that area, you know, most of the shows have workbooks around them, so you can check them out on bevanjamesisles.com. Um, I'm going quite long today, like I'm already... 46 minutes into the show and normally I go for around 50 so I'm just going to answer one question I'm just going to pull up right now here we go this is from Bridget Bridget H I think it's Hennessy and uh, I think she's from Australia I'm not sure if that's true or not but she's just saying she's been listening to the podcast and loves what we're doing finds it very interesting the way I look behind the behaviours and the routines to the thoughts that run behind them and if we can change the thoughts then we can change our behaviours which um, is kind of what I'm all about I'm just writing to ask your advice I have a major issue getting out of bed in the morning to exercise I just can't seem to do it while I know I should get up 
Oh, yep, my, when my alarm goes off, I don't. And I feel I'm just being lazy by staying in bed. I have to get up and get ready for work. Whilst I can see what's going on, I still can't seem to change this behavior. Bit of a background, so she's caused herself time poor. She played roller derby, which I'm kind of loving that you play roller derby. That's like hardcore Bridget. Um, and she attends uh, two team trainings twice a week and does about for about two hours. And she also does four hours each Sunday. She I attend these sessions as much as, as, as I can physically can. And I meet their minimum attendance. Therefore, I'm allowed to play competitive games when they come up. I'm away from home at least once a week for work. And when I am at home, it becomes increasingly important to try and spend time with my family fiance on weeknights as he works set days and between this and my Sunday training we really only have one uh, really only have weeknights together to spend so basically exercising at night time doesn't really work out for her so she's kind of wondering how can she motivate herself to exercise in the morning she goes all of this I need to exercise twice in the morning per week to improve my strength and fitness but I just can't seem to do it any help please you know what Bridget I don't think beat yourself up first of all. I think mornings don't work for you, and uh, and it's because it doesn't sound like you're not lacking motivation. It doesn't sound that you aren't the type of person who, you know, just doing exercise in itself is hard. You found a way to make it work. So there's two there's two kind of strategies that you can look at here. You go either. A, how do I make mornings work? And so you might look at, okay, well, what works for me is I do love the team training aspect. So I love it that, you know, going up to training and with the roller derby team, I'm loving that you do roller derby, by the way, roller derby team, um, you know, that makes me, being in the, in the, with the people makes me work. So there might be that for you to work well in the morning to get you out of bed, a responsibility to other people to find an environment which is really cool like is there a a local gym that just kind of amps in the morning or is there some team training outdoors close to your area in the morning that works Um, what would be the most successful days of the week that you could be successful in the morning so for example you may say okay I work late Monday night we're training for you know a roller derby on a Wednesday Tuesday night you know, Wednesday I can have an early night, so maybe Thursday morning would be the way that I do it. And that way, the way you're going to be successful is you actually go to bed an hour earlier on Wednesday night. So that you kind of almost wake up an hour earlier just because you've had that extra hour's sleep. It's kind of that type of thinking is, is if I were to do it, how do I stick all my cards in my favor? So, you know, what are the things that make you successful and exercise to this point and then what are things that could make you feel successful around being awake in the morning but then you have a line of thought and I kind of I'm kind of big on this one is that maybe mornings just don't work for you um, I'm a morning person I, I'm always up 5 30 pretty much every morning of my life and uh and I don't mind that I kind of I can make that work I always have it's just the way I am and, and it works for me but for a lot of people mornings don't work and it's kind of like I always you know I've talked a lot about in the show before in the past that you know, people always go, what's the best exercise to lose weight? And, you know, I've heard running is the best exercise. And I always say, well, do you like running? I hate running. Well, that's probably not the best exercise to lose weight. The best exercise to lose weight is the one you're going to enjoy. And um, when we think about time of day to exercise, when is the best time of day for you to exercise? It's not the morning. And so the problem for your situation right now is that you're looking at it and you're saying, well, night times are probably the best time, but because I've got a commitment to my fiance, which is great, um, I'm not willing to sacrifice those nights because that's more important. So then are there other times in the day when I can make it work? 
Are there other times that, you know, is there a gym close by to work that you could get away from, you know, at lunchtime? And maybe that means that you go to work half an hour earlier, you know, instead of starting at 8, you could start at 7.30, go to your boss, say, look, I want to get an hour and a half for lunch because I want to get my training in. Can I come in half an hour earlier so I can go and do my training at lunchtime? Kind of thinking around those strategies because you know you'll be more successful at lunchtime. Maybe lunchtime isn't the answer. Maybe it's that you get home at five o'clock and you go for you do some exercise with your partner. So that's the shared experience around that. Maybe it's Saturday. You say that you train on a Sunday and it's a big Sunday, but your strength work you get done on say Saturday. It's kind of thinking about, and it always goes back to what's going to make you be the most successful. And if you know that mornings is the, gives you the highest chance of being unsuccessful first step is to go well are there other times where I can be more successful and how would I make those work if that doesn't work then you go how can I make the morning successful and uh, hopefully if you look at you know other areas where you've been successful and duplicate those in the morning it might work but I actually think the best strategy is to go what other times could I make it work twice a week hopefully that helps um yeah hopefully it helps Anyway, I'm pretty much going to wrap up this month's show next month. Uh, I haven't even thought about next month's show, to be honest, so I I need to start thinking about that. But uh, I will say, um, if you want to check out any of my work, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com and all my blogs and all my stuff's happening there. I just will say, and I know this is a very small part of my audience, but the people in Christchurch, I've got my running groups and I've got a, a product called Technique Month, which is to help your running technique get a lot better. And it's going to be starting next Tuesday and it's, it's, we've put a lot of work into it and it's going to be a great, great product. If you're a bit of a runner or you know someone who's a runner and they're looking to improve their technique and, um, you know, check out, uh, give me an email and I'll, and I'll flick you through the information. And uh, also just all my other running groups, my Get Up To Five, my Club Tens, Race Team and all the rest of it, we're going to be starting again late August. So it's going to be all go in Christchurch. Um, yeah, that's pretty much me for this month. If you've got any questions, send them through to bevanjames at gmail.com. Other than that, you guys kick some butt. And uh, hopefully next month I'll come back and I'll be in a happy, chappy place and I'll, I'll do something that's really uplifting for you. Anyway, you guys have a good month. See you, bye.